What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. I am your host, Brett McGrath, and we are here to have another conversation with a collector that matters. And this time, we are keeping it in the family, the bloodline. We are the ones over here. Yes, I got my brother at McGrath Cards on the program. The word is evolution. We are talking about just maturation and different types of progressions we are going through in the hobby. Every time he comes on, there's something new. So we talk about what he's focusing in on, what he likes, and where he is spending his time. He is building quite the collection, I have to say. You can find him at McGrath Cards on Instagram. We talk a little bit about the national, sprinkle that in. Of course, if you like what I'm doing over here, follow, subscribe, hit all the buttons. Most importantly, tell a damn friend that you're enjoying the Stacking Slabs podcast. Without further ado, let's kick into the conversation. All right. We tend to do these uh, conversations around the holiday, and we are a day out from the 4th of July. Uh, that will have already happened by the time this goes live. Um, we're just going to be talking about uh, collecting, talk about the national a little bit, and probably some other topics that come to my mind as we chop it up. But I am joined by my brother, fellow collector, at McGrath Cards on Instagram. Kyle, welcome back to the pod. How are you? Good, good. Always excited when I get the, hey, do you want to join the pod this week? And of course, there is. Uh, it's always a bright spot in the week. And yeah, we tend to do this around the holidays. And and around national timeframes. So excited to chat it up as we typically do just even outside the podcast. So thanks for having me today. Yeah. So I was looking back on our last couple episodes, actually, and it looked like this time last year, we had a conversation about being a year removed from our first national experience and talking about where we were at opposed to where we were at during that time frame, And then we had another conversation right around Christmas to talk about kind of big cards that we got year end stuff. And it seems like through we've had more recordings and conversation before that, but it seems like the theme of all of these, if I had to zoom out, is like evolution. Like we are we always talk about just like the the maturation of of kind of you as a collector. And I obviously uh, share my experience because I, I can totally relate with everything that you're going through. And we typically share just so, stories. So maybe focusing in on that word evolution, how would you say as a collector right now going into your second national, being about three years plus back into the hobby, where have you evolved to right now in your, as, as a collector in the hobby? Yeah, no, it uh, it's always fun to kind of look back to your point, right? I think First and foremost, still a collector, right? I think at, at the heart of it all, I think that's the most exciting aspect of being kind of in this this world that we're in. Um, you know, obviously I've listened back to, and it's funny to kind of hear the the history of uh, purchases I've made, players I've gone after. But I think really at this point, uh, it's it's really focused in on one player in particular and building out the absolute best collection that I can of just cards that I think in and products that have an impact in the market, right? So obviously, you know, I've shared several posts of late, you know, Reggie Wayne has kind of been the one that I've just started really hanging my hat on of, of players that I have always admired, but then his cards are obtainable from the perspective of, especially over the last six months of 
you know, his, I was fortunate to pick up his 2012 prism uh, gold that was on auction. And I had some other big cards come my way that are unique and scarce. But as you start to build out like those hallmark cards in your collection, I think are that are initially I would have thought is unattainable. It's really made me appreciate um, diving into those sets a little bit more. And yeah, I still collect Peyton's when I can and some other ancillary players, but I think at this point it's, it's really focusing on one guy and seeing how many cool cars I can pick up from them. Um, so, and we'll so see maybe, what the next chapter looks like after this. So uh, folk maybe like zeroing in on Reggie Wayne specifically, because I feel like player collecting is something that everyone who's listening to the show can relate with at some level. I feel like that is a point we all go through and, we most of us never leave we're always collecting our favorite players maybe talk specifically about your process and evaluating and like the why behind reggie wayne yeah so i'll give you the why first and it's funny i i was thinking about that this morning because i knew this would probably end up being a majority of the topic of conversation today and i was thinking why is why is reggie why am i drawn to him so much and i started to look back on when he joined the league so that was in 2001 so from a life perspective, I was just graduating high school where I was playing football. Um, I ended up going to, and it's funny how like a player interaction can really can trigger a moment. So, you know, a local radio station was having Reggie Wayne as a new rookie attend and sign autographs during the commercial breaks. And I attended and um, got a, a jersey signed by him, which I still have to this date. It's hanging in my basement. I look at it daily. Um but, you know, he played through 2014. He played with arguably one of my favorite players in Peyton Manning, but then transitioned to a guy by the name of Andrew Luck. So he was kind of that, that glue that kept that Colts franchise together through those years. So I've always admired that. You know, he had the game, the Chuck Pagano game, where, you know, Chuck came out and announced that he had cancer and they wore orange for the game. I think it was against the Green Bay Packers, if memory serves me right. And he it was an incredible game. I still remember that. So as a as a player carrying the team through those two eras, and then he's back. He's coaching the receiver. You know, he started doing that last year and he's still with the team today. So he's always for me, he's always just been a fixture for the Colts franchise. So I think that's kind of primarily why he means so much to me as a player and as a coach today and why I collect him. And from a card perspective, I had always dabbled with Reggie Wayne cards. I think primarily when I was going through this mindset of collecting all the Peyton Manning finest golds, and I, you know, was able to pick up several of them. But every time I always picked up one of the Reggie Waynes too to kind of match the two together. And you know, they were at a fifty or seventy-five. And then I started to think about, well, what about Reggie Waynes in Prism cards or in other just sets that maybe are, are smaller number? And I started to pick up as well. And then it was really an auction for the 2013 Black 101 that I ended up winning. And I remember talking to you shortly thereafterwards, and we were just talking about auctions and cards. And you're like, oh, man, bummer, like you missed out on it. And purposely in my head, I was like, I'm not telling you I won that until I had the card in hand. But then I, I just couldn't resist letting you know that I ended up winning that auction and and had that card. And from there, it, it really kind of gaslighted for me just collecting a Reggie Wayne because I was able to to complete the rainbow for that 2013 select series set. And then I thought, man, that's cool. Cause that's the first year of select football. So what are those other first year sets? And so it began this like new journey for me that I'm 
going, I feel like I'm going through a new evolution in my collecting journey, focused specifically on Reggie Wayne, but using him to educate myself on other sets and products in the card market. So you uh, talked about just the time frame of him as a player, which if you think about 2001 to 2014, right, you're getting you're getting all the top stuff, you're getting the Panini stuff. And I feel like the overlap there is a lot of fun. And I, anyone out there who's listening, who collects a player who falls into those gap understa- gaps or time gaps understands like how many types of cards you could actually go after. Based on your journey and through that catalog, I know you haven't got every card you want and you're still on a mission and we're all on a mission always as collectors, but maybe talk through maybe some of the sets that you're focusing in on or the cards throughout those years years and like why uh, you like those specific cards. Yeah. So I think first and foremost, my favorite set of all time is the 2006 Finest. Um, the look and feel of those cards, just the portraits of the players on those cards. I had first picked up the Reggie Gold and then was able to pick up the X-Factor Gold as well. So I think for me, those were like two hallmarks on it. And then I know you had the white border uh, in your collection that you were kind enough uh, to let me peel away from you and pick up and add to it. So that was like an awesome stake in the ground in my Reggie PC to have not only the X-Fractor, the gold, but then the white, uh, I don't even know. I can't even remember the, the White name, border X-Fractor. Thank one you. Of white one. Border yeah. yeah, the one-on-one one from that set, right? So it's like like being able to look at those three cards together. I know I made a, an Instagram post, I think at one point in time, just kind of showcasing those. I was, you know, those are ones that I can look at and be like, nobody else in the world can put together this picture because the one-on-one obviously separates that, that, that trio together. So, you know, Having those of the 06 finest, my favorite set was was a great pickup. And then to your point, right, it transitions the the tops to the Panini era. Um, I mentioned a minute ago that you know I was in a, able to win the 2012 Prism Gold Reggie Wayne, uh, so first year Prism. And then I'll have to give a shout out to Himmer's cards as well. And I think this is one of the cool stories, right, in the hobby is that you you showcase what you collect and people then help you build that collection out along the way. And Timmer's cards uh, had noticed that the 2014 Prism Gold uh, was posted on eBay. And I think he's out in California. So I'm on East Coast time. And I think this kind of happened during when I'm typically in bed because uh, he was messaging me. And, and I was fortunate enough to wake up that, the next morning with a note that was like, hey, I'm not crazy, but I ended up picking this up, thinking that you may want this for your PC. And I couldn't be more excited because now I have the 2012 prism gold. He was able to help me get the 2014 prism gold. And now I'm on the hunt for the 2013. Cause those are the only through only three prism gold Reggie Wayne of his playing years um, that are out there. Right. So that was another kind of like book into that top Panini era. And then I mentioned the, the 2013 select in the middle, picking up the, the one of one Reggie Wayne, you know, seeing that black one of one in hand is, is pretty incredible was able to win the gold as well. And then I liked it, the entry-level sets because there's not many parallels to the cards or to the base cards. Um, and so on ComC, I picked up the silver and just the normal base, but then it was the green that had eluded me for so long. And I know you've mentioned doing this before, and I'm kind of just telling my, my story of some collecting some of my Reggie cards, but 
One had sold several months ago. And I finally just said, you know what? I haven't seen anything. I'm just going to reach out to the guy that sold it. Maybe he can put me in touch with the buyer. So I messaged the, the seller on eBay. And, and lo and behold, I get this message from Dice Cards one morning saying, hey, look what I got. And it was the green select uh, Reggie Wayne. And you know he was extremely kind enough to, to give that to my collection. Uh, so I could complete the rainbow and, and I know I'm helping him. I know he needs, I think it's the Joe Flacco green uh, select to kind of complete his rainbow as well. But, you know, those are just, you know, several cards across that spectrum of, of tops to, to Panini of my Reggie Wayne. And, you know, yeah, I've done my, my due diligence hunting for these cards, but it, it's taken some luck and it's taken just some good people on the hobby that have helped me kind of uh, uh, unearth some of these cards out here that I'm trying to add to my collection. I hear you talk about there as like the bat signal. And it's like, I, you know what, I'm going to, I need a card. And instead of me just doing it in isolation, I'm going to put it out there on Instagram. And then I'm going to hopefully get some people who see it and either have the card, know where it's at, or can give you some information about that. And I think, I don't know, I've been an advocate of this approach for a while. Um, I think there is the, there's a mentality that is like I want to keep it close to the vest. Um, there are other people I know that might want this card, but I think when you're out sharing kind of your passion and sharing what your collection is, like likely, like why not use your kind of audience that you have to your advantage? So maybe like I, I view it kind of as like coming from a place of abundance where it's almost like if somebody else gets it, somebody else gets it. But like, if you don't do it, like you're never going to know. Talk maybe a little bit about just like the community aspect and just like you, you are viewed like your brand to even me as your brother is, is like the Reggie Wayne guy in the hobby. Mm-hmm. So maybe talk a little bit about that some more. Yeah. I think, you know, we were talking before this, uh, we jumped on the pod. It's like, you know, some of these cards you start to go after that are unique or rare, or maybe just out of a set that's not talked about on a daily basis by other podcasts and collectors. They're more than likely buried in somebody's PC. They're hidden away. You know, there, there may be cards that somebody just may not know the real value of them or what, you know, they may have been a passive collector 10, 20 years ago, but you know, they just may not know the value of some of the cards they have in their collection. So, you know, you miss 100% of the swings that you don't take. I mean, you have to get out there. You have to be able to to post on Instagram or or share in other mediums of, of or channels of, of what you're looking for. You know, anytime that I talk to somebody, and they're looking for a specific card, even if I don't know where it's at, but I can, you know, maybe post a message and help them out. There's no greater feeling than to be able to connect those dots. And for me, like when I was able to complete my rainbow of the 2013 select for Reggie, that like started a fire for me, not only to, to go after other sets for those first year cards, but then also to realize like how that touched me from just a collector's perspective that, Hey, somebody took time out of, you know, their collection, their daily life to say, I'm going to help you. They've never met me. They know what I collect, but just out of being a good person, they said, you know, let's, let me either send you this card or connect you to somebody that I know has this card and you guys can figure out a deal on the back end. So I think it's a super powerful tool to be able to, to broadcast who you collect, what you're looking for. And especially going into national, I love being able to, and I stop and I read through each one of these when I see people post what cards they're looking for going into national. Because again, it, you know, you and I've been to card shows in the past. We went to our first national a couple of years ago. It's overwhelming. 
you know, you, you walk around and like, there may be a couple cards in your mind that you're on the hunt for, but when you're walking by card tables and you're battling traffic and you're trying to peer over shoulders to see what a collector has, it's really tough to find it. But if you can post what you're looking for on Instagram ahead of it and some dealer, some attendee to the show, you know, sees that you're looking for this and maybe has a card and, you know, you guys can work out a deal ahead of time, I am more powerful, more, more power to you. So I think being an advocate of your collection and what you're looking for um, is a necessity at this point, kind of at least in my collecting journey. And I know yours as well. I'll put a little classified out, ad out here and on the Stacking Size podcast for you. If you are a dealer setting up at the National and you've got rare and scarce Reggie Wayne in a pile. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> Let me know. Uh, Especially if you got the totally certified uh, platinum mirror blue. I know uh, Brent will probably battle each other for him. <laughs> uh, I, I, feel, I feel like Re- since Reggie is your guy, I can, I can, uh. I can, I, I can give you first crack maybe. So uh, you, we referenced the national, we recorded an episode, which I didn't go back and listen to a year ago about like how things have changed. Um, we're coming up on another year, which I know just my whole mentality, my whole mentality going into that show could not be more different. Um, and if anyone <laughs> yeah. listens to the show, I've been talking about it just for the last several weeks. So uh, you mentioned overwhelming, which yes, and, and absolutely we're both going to be overwhelmed again. But maybe talk a little bit about your mentality going in as uh, you can say a veteran year two, you're a veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about your approach and kind of what's on your mind as as we prepare, because we're in the month right now as we record this. Yeah, which is crazy to think. Um, so, yeah, going into this national, it's definitely I've got I've already put my list together, right, of, of specific cards that I want. And I know that. I'm going to be very focused in on those cards and looking for them. You know, to your point, if we go back and listen to our, our episode probably before the first national, I think you and I both were doing deals prior to we were buying cards at. I don't own any of those cards nowadays. I've I've sold all of them off with good intention, but I felt like the that first national, I was just so excited to go and just to buy stuff there to be like, I bought these cards at national. And I even bought players that I typically didn't collect just because. I was like, ah, I'm at national and, and I'm meeting some good dealers, making some good relationships. And, you know, with the intention of I'll hold these for a while and probably move them. But, you know, my focus is, is farther from that mindset this time around, because I know specifically what I'm looking for. And I'm going into national saying, it's okay. I'm more than likely not going to find those cards there. And I'm cool with that. You know, the, the Midwest monster was in indie back in June. And I went and just to be able to walk around, and to see the strength of the hobby, to see the different cards in the hobby, to see the different dealers in the hobby, it's such a cool experience. I, you know, I'm all about continual education. And I've kind of like themed that through just my my Reggie collection of using him to kind of uncover and learn about new sets. The National is almost like walking into like a big library where it's like they've got sets and cards and things that you don't even know exist. They've got dealers there that collect and sell players that you wouldn't even thought of, but you get into these conversations and you learn a little bit more about why somebody collects a certain set, why somebody collects a certain player. And it only enhances your knowledge and maybe your interest and in, in maybe something else to pursue in the hobby. I know just even talking with you, right? In a microcosm, it's like your, your passion for a totally certified, your passion for some of the Stoners Elite stuff that you've introduced me to recently has just kind of opened my eyes. Like, oh, there's other cool sets out there that typically aren't talked about in the mainstream, but are some really cool cards. And 
I'm really kind of going into national this time going, Hey, if I can find any of these cards on my want list, awesome. But I'm here to, to learn and to see cool cards out there. But more importantly, for those folks that we've interacted with the last three plus years on social media or, or talked to virtually, just to be able to, to sit down and shake someone's hand and have a conversation, I'm more excited about that than anything. You mentioned the list and we've all got the, our lists. And I think what I, I hear you talk about, and I'm kind of the same way, is like, you know, I've been I've been raising money to have so I'm I can feel like I'm in a position where I can buy a card if it's on my list and I want it. But also at the same time, I have this mindset of like, if I come home and I don't have any cards from the national, I'm totally cool with that too. I don't want to go rush to buy cards that I'm going to end up selling in a, in a month. So with, with that being said, there's also this other side of it, right? Where you're in, a, in the library, in, in the museum of cards, you're meeting all of these dealers and all of a sudden you look at a showcase and there's a card that you didn't even think about that is a part of a set maybe gives you some sentimental flashback you nostalgia and all of a sudden like it's a card that you're interested in buying but you wasn't even on your radar uh have you thought about that because it's inevitable that that's going to happen and if so like what maybe is your evaluation process for making a purchase or not making a purchase yeah no, it's it's fair because right, inevitably there's some shiny object that catches your eye and, and we are collectors at the end of the day. And you know, I do collect on the side like Peyton Manning cards or Reggie Miller cards or or something along those lines, right? That could always kind of pique your interest. I think for me, kind of that evaluation is how does it, you know, obviously how does it stack rank against those cards that are on my want list, right? If if you know, especially from a price perspective, right? Because you know, I think like everybody in the world out there right now, we're we're trying to sell off some cars and grab cash that we have in hand for national, right? So we know that pot is got you know a certain amount in it to to utilize. Um, we all wish we had the money trees in the backyard to be able to to constantly utilize, but not the case. But aside from just how does the stack rank against the cards on my want list, I'd also just want to better understand, obviously from a scarcity perspective, what does that look like? What's the set that it's a part of and do I know anything about that set? Right. I, I don't, I've moved away from just buying cards because they look cool. And maybe they're low pop. Like I want to understand like the, you know, how does that set fit into the hobby and then with my collection as well, because I'm starting to get to that point when I open up my Zion case, I want uniformity in my cards. I want a story to tell. And uh, the cards that I'm, I've sent off for consignment just don't aren't part of that story anymore. Right. So while I do have a lot of Peyton and Reggie cards, I do have some some one off cards. You know, I've got a Danica Patrick card. I've got that because like I love IndyCar and I remember her when she was a rookie, you know, driving in the 8500. You know, I've got a couple Reggie Miller cards because he's my all time favorite basketball player. So I've got a couple cards there, but I don't just have like random things thrown into my Zion case because I like to keep everything contained in there and for them to tell the story. So really, it's it's that evaluation of can that card fit into my story of my Zion case and my collecting, and and if it can, then you know we'll see if I end up picking it up or not. But if it's more of a hey, that's really cool, shiny object, but it doesn't fit those initial criteria, then I probably will be moving on um, and looking at the next dealer table. Well, I'm excited because uh, I don't know what to expect, and for all the reasons that you said, it is seems like just the current state of the hobby, the collect. 
I don't remember people talking about the national with this much excitement this time last year. I don't know if it's no. location or what, but <laughs> it just seems like everyone is fired up. So I don't know. I'm ready to get there. I probably need to buy some more comfortable shoes because uh, those cement floors are unforgiving, but I'm ready to go. I know it'll be fun. I mean, we had a, we had a blast that first time around and it, I think the coolest thing is just meeting other folks in the hobby in real life and shaking hands and, and having some, some good laughs and some swapping stories. I will this time around though, like I'm not bringing any cards with me. I'm not, you know, I had this mindset last time. Like, all right, I'm going to bring cards. I'm going to do some trading at the table. And then you kind of quickly realize like, yeah, that's not going to happen. I'm just carrying around a backpack full of cards. And it's, you know, I'm just, you know, have them with me the whole time. So I won't be doing that this year, but yeah, it'll be fun to walk the floors and to kind of be away from uh, the craziness of the home life for a couple of days, that's for sure. So uh, maybe we close out with this. Uh, we talked this kind of theme here is evolution. And one of the big evolutions we have is, right, we have children and the children collect and you get into that and you can hear my daughter in the background. She's not very happy right I now. I know. I saw you do the look up and I, I know that feeling where it's like, oh, somebody's awake now. So. Yeah, yeah, it's we're, we're recording at a time we don't typically record, but you just got to get it in and we're all off on holiday. But I want I want you to take a moment because you were there and I just feel like outside of like some posts on Instagram, it didn't get enough coverage. Maybe talk a little bit about uh, the event, IndyCar Exchange event you went to that was like biggest trade night ever. Just because I think like, thought that was so cool. Maybe too, especially because it was like, it happened kind of in our backyard, but you were yeah. there. Maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, Indy at IndyCar Exchange and that team, they're phenomenal. I mean, outside of just the Midwest monster that they they have, what they do for kids club and for my kids that are three and six years old, they love being able to go. I mean, they had the kids night um, at a, you know, a local winery that's not too far from where we live. And there was, I, I think there was 300 plus kids that were there. And it was one of those things where they, they gave away product. They had raffle tickets. My three-year-old won a mini Zion's case. And Brett, he, he's shown you, like he puts his Pokemon cards in there and he walks around with things. He's the coolest, coolest person in the world, but it was really cool to see kids like, trade and be you know get to kind of like cut their teeth in the hobby understanding like collecting and value of cards trading players you know looking out you know finding their friends at at the the trade night um and meeting up with them and that whole theme of kids i feel like translates into the midwest monster that they they also are part of and put on because you know i've taken evan there my my six-year-old and i feel like all the dealers there and it Again, I feel like you know you surround yourself with good people and they do good things. You know they'll hand out free packs to kids. You know they'll at, they'll talk to the kids and show genuine interest. It's wild to me seeing kids walk up to dealer tables and be like, you know, I have these cars. Do you want to buy them? And like just the negotiation back and forth. And you can all tell that that's all you know has come out of like a kids club mentality and trade night mentalities where kids are learning these skills, learn about product and, and cards. Heck, they're better negotiators than I am. I'm typically I see a card that I like, I'm like, buy it. <laughs> so they at least put some uh, some guardrails on it. But yeah, I mean, Andy and his team. I mean, hats off to them. They do a phenomenal job. We're fortunate to have them in our backyard here. Definitely, if you're uh, listening from afar and you're always looking for a show, check out Midwest Monster. And if you're in town, definitely stop by any card exchange and visit Andy and the team. Kyle, we're we're a few weeks away. National is right around the corner. 
I'm excited. I know you are too. Thanks for sharing a little bit about your collecting. Again, if there's any Reggie Wayne cards out there, you're going to be in Rosemont, Illinois. Hit McGrath cards up. Kyle, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Fun as always. See you in a few weeks. Always enjoy talking with my brother about cards. It happens all the time. Every so often, we hit record and share it with you. Hopefully you enjoyed this conversation. Are you going to the national? Are you gearing up for the national? That momentum is building. Hope to see you there. Until then, take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And we'll be back. More Stacking Slides podcast on the other side. Peace.